0: Uh, two two, one, two, good evening. Yeah. Good, mm-hmm. good evening, everybody. Good evening to you, Scoob.
1: What's up, man?
0: What's going on?
1: Grabbed myself a cough drop.
0: Yeah. Well, that's always good. So, you got a lot of, a lot I mean, of talking got, to I got, do. I
1: got, this, I got this little candy jar dealio here that I got from my, my alma mater. And then, you know, I was. Got back from Canada and had the, you know, convention crud.
0: Yeah, the crudness that, that pushed uh, that pushed you into a week of conundrums.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. so I had some convention crud, so I got a fresh supply of cough drops, which, yeah. oddly, that cough I've been fighting all year, this is actually helping out. So they... Yeah,
0: well, sometimes cough drops can do that, you know, when they advertise that you can stop a cough with a cough drop. Hopefully one of them is going to work. Oh, something like that, yeah. I think. Something like that, anyways. Yes,
1: good evening, and welcome to Scuba and the Rye. I, of I course, am Scuba Steve and my co host, Mr. Rye Guy. Rye
0: Guy's right here, people. Focus, oh. focus.
1: Here's our uh, mostly weekly uh, conversation about movies, games, entertainment, and life.
0: Mostly weekly, that so is true.
1: <laughs> we're gonna set sail into some things and
0: lots of things lots of conversations
1: can you believe it's been about a month
0: yeah it's it's been about a month but you know life gets busy you Mm. do things i do things and that's what happens do a lot of different things yes um
1: i know how to do some traveling Yep went up to went up to canada for a work convention that was uh that was fun um looks like you've been uh up to some things around here so yep
0: not, not 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 no traveling like you. I only drive as far as uh, ODU campus in Norfolk, but you know, it's still a drive Other than school shenanigans. I went to a, a wine festival this past weekend with uh, my, my cousin and friend uh, Did some other shenanigans around the area eating food um, the Neptune festival was canceled, but not the sandcastles sandcastles were still there so went ahead and checked them out uh, my photos for the sandcastles are up on the book of face if you can find me that's where you'll find me and other than that just sticking to my workouts work school and whatnot so you know keeping it real here and watching lots of movies but hey what's new there not yeah, really
1: i was watching stuff i I' enough, i haven't been watching a lot of movies but i've been
0: um doing a lot of audiobooks. Okay, any 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 good recommendations?
1: Yeah, I'm actually been plowing through The Dresden Files. Okay. By Jim Butcher.
0: That sounds like spy espionage, am I wrong?
1: It, it is and it isn't. Okay. Um it is uh the the Jim Butcher Dresden Falls series is about is is kind of a fantasy mystery.
0: OK. Uh,
1: you have uh, Harry Dresden, who is a wizard. OK. Who works as a private investigator in New York or not New York, Chicago,
0: <laughs>
1: Chicago. He works as a P.I. in Chicago, and he's a part of the wizarding and and supernatural community. And his these books go through these various adventures and cases where some kind of supernatural element is having some impact something's kind of minor some things kind of major but it's it's this very large world I think I'm I'm I went through like five books back to back right now
0: that's that's pretty dope um
1: I think only there's only a couple left and then I'm completely caught up on the franchise okay so that's a thing um camera's still kind of goofy. I gotta replace that camera.
0: Is it doing the audio slowness? I think so. That's so, all good.
1: <laughs> I think it's doing something. Maybe it's because I'm trying to record at a higher fidelity.
0: Hey, you know, high frame rate for the high guys. Right? You know, we have to look pristine for you peoples. You, So. But it's all good.
1: Yeah, or it could be the phone I'm using for my camera is uh, finally starting to uh, not be able to keep up.
0: Maybe. It does happen that way. Technology starts to age after some point, so it happens.
1: I mean, this is an iPhone 7?
0: Yeah, aren't we up to 14 as of last month? Am I correct? Maybe. Maybe. So that was that. that Sounds like seven generations. (laughs)
1: Um, Okay. Yeah. Point taken, it's time to replace it with a new camera.
0: Yes, but you were talking about getting new cameras, so... Yeah. I
1: was, I was, because uh, the, Canada, the Canada trip, um, and that's where I really was pow- powering through the books, because I listened to a, uh, a Horus Heresy book for Warhammer 40K. Okay. Uh, the uh, Thousand Sons uh, book, which was really great, because our friend uh, Penumbra is big into the... Uh, Thousand Suns, as far as Chaos Marines. Okay. Um, the immortal prophets, the Egyptian prophets, um, kind of deal. So this was a story talking about their kind of rise and fall uh, and whatnot. So I found it very. It was it was quite a quite a fun read. And then it was the Dresden Files and. Um, and just kind of going through that. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And then it's like I get back and it's like the cliffhanger on the book. It's like I want to listen to the next
0: one and the next one and the next one. So You want I keep going and going like well, that, yeah,
1: it's really bad when you have a subscription like Audible. Check out audible.com. They're not not affiliated, but you got to check them out. You have the option to buy, like, three credits for 30 bucks, and each of these books are $25 a piece. So do the math, which is your bang for your buck.
0: Yeah, true, so... true. Makes <laughs> sense. Do what you need to. So
1: uh, normally I get one book a month, but I decided to, you know, buy six credits and, you know, pick up a stack more of my, my books that I'm trying to chew through. Okay.
0: Well, so That's always you know if it works it works
1: yeah so I mean a buddy of mine from balaa airsoft uh refer suggested the Dresden files books and it's just you could act I think this would be interesting for you as a writer because he was a he, his first couple of books his first you could you can see over the course of I'm on book 13 no I'm book 12 right no 12 or 13 you can see the evolution of the writing style okay and the quality of the writing from the first book all the way through these 12 books and one of the ones i listened to is a a 0.5 in the series because it's actually an anthology um because as as he got better at writing and 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 became more more well known in the genre that he writes in he was asked to contribute stories and novellas to other anthologies where they had a different theme. So it was very great because it's called The Case Files. Okay. And I, I really think because this one, especially because you're, you're into writing, so I think you're, yeah. you'll like this one. At the preface of each one of these stories, he explains the background for writing the story and how he had to take his world with Dresden and then write a story that fits the theme of the anthology and then drop Dresden into it and pretty much just
0: sit back and watch it burn. (laughs) Well, yeah, sometimes you got to do that.
1: But I think it's an interesting exercise, especially if you're and I I think that's really great as far as also from from a tabletop perspective. As a dungeon master, when you try to weave your story for your players, you have your world lore and everything, and how do you, how can you take different themes, like, one of the themes in the anthology was, uh, had to deal with marriage. Okay. And so he, so as part of his research, he researched kind of the, uh, kind of the, the old traditions of the honeymoon and Scandinavian lore and whatnot. Another one had to deal with birthdays. Okay. And so it's like for that one, it was a challenge because Harry, the, in, in as you read the books, Harry doesn't celebrate his birthday. He doesn't have any family. So he, he's got kind of, this whole birthday celebration thing is awkward. So it's like he decided, hey, you know what? How about a birthday for somebody else? And then Harry has to kind of kind of be a part of that conversation. Sounds very interesting. So that was the premise. Okay. And then we throw in a mall that gets destroyed by vampires and
0: all this fun <laughs> stuff. So, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it's one it's of those the stuff. twist. The twist, my friends. Yeah.
1: Know. And I, it is the two of them. Uh, the two stories I liked the most were the novellas. One of them was told from the perspective of a whole different character. Okay. Actually, both of them were told from a different perspective where Harry was in the first one. Harry was a side character, not the main character. And in the other one, he was. He, it's like the. It's like this novella takes place like literally an hour after the events, that closed off one of the books. So, it's like these little these little extra bits that kind of throw in, to really bring out the uh, the world, which I think is great. Great fleshing out. Great kind of idea of doing one shots in a larger larger story and larger world. So.
0: Yeah, it's always good to see, you know, creative bliss to happen like that. And you can just spin your characters into different settings. Yeah,
1: yeah. good writing is so hard to find.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, Like me, I've been working on another story. I did get inspired to actually almost finish the next story book I'm working on. But, you know, it's always, you hit the wall and you have to think of other things. But what I do is, like, I just jump to a different character or story that helps me trigger for another character and story back on the original story, so you know Oh yeah. Yeah. Gotta so, gotta jump between things to keep the brain fresh on definitely. stories.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's just so much fun. And the, and the thing is there's also that point where things get cheeky. Yeah. Like there's a whole co- there's a whole dialogue. <laughs> and it's the, the,
0: the, cheeky. There's
1: a whole dialogue in one of the books where Harry is talking to his assistant and he makes a Spider-Man reference, and the assistant's like, "Yeah, well, it's a big, wide, multi-universe, so mm. there's some place where Spider-Man exists and you exist, and more than the, likely, is you one universe, you one universe, Spider-Man. Now, here's where it gets cheeky. The fact is that Jim Butcher wrote a Spider-Man novel, mm. so <laughs> I'm thinking, interesting. I have it on my wish list. I'm thinking that about." This book that this conversation takes place came out roughly about the same time as the Spider-Man book that Jim Butcher wrote.
0: Hey, it could be a coincidence. You I know? think it's going to be
1: hilarious when yeah. I read the book.
0: It's like, now I see. I see, my friend, my friend.
1: See, uh, it ties right back. We were talking about multiverse and Marvel and all that. And here we're finding an example of it in literature.
0: Yep, it happens. You know, good writing can do that, or bad writing. It just depends on how it falls into place.
1: Yeah, speaking of bad writing, I'm sure we're gonna get into that for just a few minutes with some of our movie reviews.
0: Mmm, uh, hints, the... foreshadowing a little bit. Mm. But
1: before we get into that, we want to take a moment and do a shout out and a thank you to Sirenscape. Shout out! Sirenscape is a uh, web is a is a collection of soundboards and audio files that you can use for your tabletop gaming experience. Since it's October, we're gonna go with a ho- with a horror themed, halloween themed background noises, which I'm sure you're hearing. Woo. And, yeah. you know, go check it out. They cover a wide variety of stuff. Sci-fi, fantasy, modern, old age, Great stuff to bring a little extra ambiance to your tabletop games or your if your role-playing game experience. And they have a web-based player and an app player that you can download onto your mobile devices or play via web browser on on your computer. And if you're doing still doing virtual games, you can share that web player or the, the online player to your other players where they can all listen to the ambiance as you tell your story over video conferencing. So go check it out. Sirenscape.com. Check uh, check out all those cool things and uh, link in the affiliate link in the description. Uh, but yeah, gotta yep. get a shout out to them. Three years, three yep. plus years. Yep. Check run. them Go. out.
0: Always good music from them. Always oh, good yeah. variety.
1: Hilarious stuff.
0: <laughs> yes, yes indeed. Hilarious more than some of the things I've seen, but you know it works. It works. <laughs> yeah they throw those
1: extra sounds gotta love yeah. it all righty <laughs> okay so let's
0: uh speak, let's talk about some bad writing with let's talk about some bad writing shall we some
1: bad writing with our movie yeah. reviews yeah.
0: so we're going to do uh it's been a few weeks and you know i like to watch a lot of things so we're going to rapid fire in a few others and spend time on the better ones or at least horror theme if you want to call it
1: all right well Let's start off with uh, the the anime that you got because that's like that came out a while back.
0: Yeah, it came out a while back and I decided, hey, I wanted to watch it because it actually dropped on Crunchyroll. So it gave me a chance to watch it at home. I missed it when it came out, but it's called Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. And it's actually a prequel, which is based on a manga of the same name, which is a prequel to the regular series Jujutsu Kaisen. Mm. So what this one does, it doesn't follow the main character of the series. It follows uh, another character that is part of the school called Yuta Akatsuku, who's voiced by Megumi Ogata uh, from uh, Japan. And basically in the Jujutsu Kaisen world, uh, the whole idea is that you have these um, cursed spirits where you go to this school and you learn how to control curses to be able to cleanse them. And what's unique about this particular character, uh, Yuta, is that he is actually possesses a powerful cursed spirit. So through circumstances he is forced to go to the school which is known as uh, jiu High School, uh, which is one of the two schools that teach you how to do um, exorcisms and cursed spirits. So Pretty much this movie uh, is a prequel to the series, it does a good job of highlighting the greatness of the series, both the lore, dealing with all the cursed spirits, setting up all the ancillary characters that are from the series but not the main character because it takes place before, but it also highlights uh, great action, great animation, great anime. And it does a great understanding of, you know, a few things in the series. What is a cursed spirit? The variety of skills to exercise curses in a unique position of this world. It all centers in Japan, modern-day Japan, but it just deals with all these cursed spirits. And if you know anime, this is a great anime because it melds in all the different uh, innate fixtures of anime action, comedy, and drama. But does it in a way where both it pleases the fans and pleases any newcomers without feeling lost. Okay. So, but. Overall, it was great. It did have its issues. You know, it it does play with a lot of cliche and moves quickly through it. But overall, it's enjoying uh, anime film 3.5 out of 5. It would have been worth seeing as a matinee. If I got a chance to see it back in April or May when it came out. That is my two cents on the anime. All right. Now.
1: Let's get on to it. Let's do it. All right.
0: What do we got on deck?
1: So what we have first is Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Yes. Love and Murder, Friendship, Conspiracy. Uh, this one, I've been kind of out of it with my traveling and whatnot. So tell me about this one. Right
0: All right. right. So this is the latest from David O. Russell, writer and director. If you know this name, uh, David O. Russell, he's done some great movies in the past. Um, uh, the Three Kings, um, The Fighter. And Silver Linings Playbook just to name some three like really great films that he's done and like all those previous films what he does is he does a His stories all focus on creating moments of realism through the dynamic of uh, Relationships, so he focuses on character and dialogue and that's what makes his movies great And this movie starts off with that kind of appeal where it focuses on three characters Burt uh, Bernison played by Christian Bale uh, Valerie Va- Voss, played by Margot Robbie, and Harold Woodman, played by John David Washington. Um, and basically, uh, they meet after um, World War One, and they form a friendship pack in Amsterdam, the uh, title of the, of the sh- show. Yeah. And that sets the stage for the present day, where um, uh, Bert and Harold get uh, caught up in this murder plot that is tied into a bigger conspiracy to... Uh, Dealing with uh, overthrowing the government, alluding to fascism and a lot of other things that might be leading into the next great war. Um, On the plus side, what this film does great is that in at least two thirds of the movie, like I mentioned before, um, he does a great job. David O. Russell does a great job of directing characters, dialogue and friendship. Um, What I call this is frenetic storytelling, where it's a loose plot thread and you're just focusing on the characters getting through all this antic and all this craziness that's happening with them with no explanation, which is if you do frenetic storytelling great, it can be great. Um, But what he does, he, he outsmarts his own self and the movie falls apart in the third act because instead of just focusing on the characters and focusing on that craziness that ensues on the journey, he wants what happens is they try to wrap everything up and you start introducing all these characters just for the sake of plot and for the sake of a uh, character develop uh, not character development, but plot development. And it just convolutes everything. And it takes away from that enjoyment of that friendship. So the third act just pretty much falls apart and it just makes you kind of like look at the writing and just makes you see a snore fest because it just becomes a bore and just very just uh, cheesy by the end to the point of just not redeemable. So, Yeah, so that's what I got on that one. So, 3 out of 5. I gave it a 3 out of 5 because it was still worth seeing because of the three characters.
1: Okay, so character actors notwithstanding, but bad writing.
0: Bad writing. Speaking of bad writing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, darling.
0: Yeah. Don't worry darling. I know this was one you mentioned that you were looking forward to as well.
1: Yeah, I thought this was kind of cool because when I think of when I seeing the previews for this one, seeing that this is got I can't even pronounce her name.
0: Florence Pugh?
1: Yeah, Olivia. from from uh Marvel, from the MCU. Yep. Black Widow and and, and Hawkeye. Yeah. And kind of the vibe and feel of this, it feels like uh, another one of those like um pleasantville or the stepford wives it felt like it was another film in that genre so it's like okay how can we twist on this whole mass cultism or what kind of twist is on with that but you were saying this this is another one where it really kind of it starts off great but it just
0: can't hold out till the end so i will be pc as best as i can um I'll give my rating right ahead of time with this one, just so I can go into explanation. Three out of five. Uh, it's still worth seeing the theaters for two-thirds of the movie. Um, so the movie focuses on Florence Pugh's character, Alice Chambers, who is living a perfect life, quote-unquote, with her husband, Jack Chambers, played by Harry Styles and a 1950s Styles kind of community. Okay. Everything seems great. Everything seems perfect because you have this community of people that's all working for a common goal, for a common mission. Um, and then you have uh, Alice and all the other uh, housewives that, you know, pretty much live in support of their husbands as they uh, focus on this mission to create this perfect community. And what you start to find out is that what everything seems is not what it seems to be. And you start to see this unraveling with Alice and all these crazy things that are happening around her. And what happens is this community is out in the middle of the desert. It's led by Frank, played by Chris Pine, and which basically... Um, he's the de facto leader of this community and he's basically leading them to this promised land. Uh, So basically what it is is that he wants to create a community where they fight chaos of real society with progress and he keeps focusing on this idea of progress and living this perfect life and just living a dream. And once everything starts to break down, it starts to be fractured and it starts to become like psychological, like what is really happening? And you start seeing Alice have these visions and start witnessing different things and start connecting the dots and then, the twist happens and when the twist happens all that kind of like alluding and all that foreshadowing all that kind of mystery taken away is this is a cold or not it pretty much introduces so much logical fallacies into the movie that when they try to explain things it makes it even worse and then it makes you even hate how some scenes were set up in the in the big in the first two thirds because Florence Pugh does a masterful job in acting in here creating suspense tension and just raw vigor when she's interacting with characters but then once the twist happen, all the stuff becomes just forced dialogue for melodramatic sequences that it just leads to nowhere and it has this ambiguous ending where I'm cool with ambiguous endings but it just doesn't make any sense and it's all because of the twist And all that logical fallacies, it just ruins the direction because then none of the scenes make sense. None of the craziness makes sense. And now it just makes like you wasted your time. But because of all the setup and stuff, it's still worth seeing, I think. So it's all on that twist. The twist is either going to make it or break it for you. So So. For me, it broke it for me. Uh, But it didn't break it too terribly because still Florence Pugh is a great actress and she does a great job.
1: Okay. Cool. All right. Alright.
0: Up for number three. Number three.
1: This one the riding gets better.
0: Oh yes. We're on the other side. They say grass is greener, so
1: <laughs> Six films, three down, three to go. Let's go. All right.
0: Go. And we're heading into the better ones. Hint hint. <laughs> the woman
1: queen or the warrior queen or the
0: Yep, the woman king. The
1: woman king. Yes. All right, so how's uh, how's this one stack up? So
0: this one, it has um, at the center of a character called Nat net Nat, Nat Nansiska, played by Viola Davis, who is um, the the general of a uh, of the agoji who are the 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 protectors of this uh, tribe called the Dahomey tribe, and this centers in um um early nineteenth century during the slave trade, and it basically focuses on her character and on the agoji and how they um go about protecting their lives while also trying to protect their culture and their own history against this idea of the slave trade uh so what this film does is that it does a great job of doing role building while creating a central conflict with the slave trade while layering it in with a hero's tale so it does a lot of things that are familiar but does it in a way that is unique and visceral Okay. So what you see is that there's not just enemies abroad, but there's enemies at home. So not only are they fighting off the slave traders, but they're also fighting against other tribes who basically are fighting against each other because they're trying to win uh, favor with the slave traders. So you see them attacking tribes and sending them off to be slaves and stuff. Okay. And so
1: typical, typical, uh, typ-
0: typical for the period, typical for the period. But what makes it so great is that, is that, through the dynamic of the, the drama and the dramatic tropes, there's realism in the dramatic tropes, and it's ingrained in the characters. So everything from Nansiska to Naui, uh Izogi, and Amiza, who are all these characters, you, you really care and you find out the dynamic of why, what, how they live in this tribe, and what are they striving for, what are they trying to protect. Okay. It all has this sense of sisterhood, strength, and overall camaraderie. And it it plays through thick and thin, and it shows a that Warriors' hero's tale, but through a different light. Okay. So, uh, when everything converges on the third act, it's just very powerful and very emotional with the things that has to be done. And it's very, even though it's familiar, it's very unpredictable because you don't really know where the story's going, and you're just watching this um, this the, the Goji go through all this all this turmoil to protect what they have at home. Ah. So overall it's a riveting journey of the hero's tale i'll give it a four out of five full price it's definitely a fun watch and it does uh stay true to that tale while being something unique in its own right
1: all right all right now because again it's october it's that time of year Let's
0: yes it. it is that time for spookies in a way i guess so our first two horror films that we'll be reviewing
1: this month. We start with the barbar with barbarian.
0: Yeah, barbarian, um, uh, which is one of the horror movies that came out res- recently, and this one, um, how can I say this? I can't really speak too much about it without spoiling it. And this is another one where it has a twist, but the twist plays into the groundedness of the All right, story. So,
1: so how about this one? Alright, how grounded is this in, ter- in the terms of the suspense?
0: The suspense is that uh, so you focus on a character uh, uh, Tess, who's played by Georgina Campbell, and she arrives at this Airbnb, who also has another character, Keith, who's played by Bill Skarsgård. So there's a mix with this Airbnb in Detroit, but they both decide to just stay together, and the groundedness comes in relationships and characters. So what this movie does in the beginning... Is that it sets up the introduction to the characters to the place in the conflict but it does it so slowly and methodically that there's a sense of ambiguity of where it's going to go because it doesn't feel like a horror movie within the first 20 minutes it feels like it's going to be like a relationship drama because you're focusing on Keith and Tess and then what happens is that through some creative situational setups. Everything is driven through frightful moments of of the situation, not typical scares. So it's watching through the characters' eyes on how they're reacting to the strange things things that are happening in this house and in this neighborhood. And what makes everything so great is that the characters aren't stupid. I'm going to just say it out. They're smart characters, and they don't react in a very sloppy way to when things happen. Mm. So when things happen, there's a certain uh level uh dynamism that creates this tension and horror through just them just trying to survive the visit and the reluctance of what is going on and then halfway through the film what it does it does two different things it shifts the focus to another character not going to say who or what and then also does a flashback so it does a present flashback in a way where it layers it adds in story threads that doesn't convolute it like Amsterdam, and adds it in a twist that makes sense, unlike Don't Worry Darling, where it adds even more girth to what's happening because when the actual explanation of the horrific stuff that is happening, you have empathy for what happens in the third act. So you, you really care, but you're scared at the same time, and it's frightful to what happens by the end. Okay. It's like a bittersweet ending, but you're so tense that it's just like, it's finally over. (laughs) so yeah all right so four out of five full price this movie is outstanding and it just adds credence to that this year has been the year of horror so cool
1: all right and our last film for tonight smile Smile. yes if you see it it's too late
0: yeah if you see it it's definitely too late um (laughs) so yes
1: i mean this feels like you know last house on the left or the innate the neighbors, the strangers, something like that, or maybe even uh, uh, maybe also first impression. Maybe this is a sequel to, uh, nobody or whatever it was that last year.
0: Nobody. Uh, but nope, it's not any of those. And this is more in the vein of think of the ring. Okay. But think of the ring if it was mentally unstable. Is um, it
1: not already mentally unstable?
0: No not in the way that this movie does so i love the ring it's one of my favorite horror movies and uh what this one does it focuses on a on dr rose connor played by sosie bacon who um she is a psych doctor at a hospital and she sees uh, you know a, a psychiatric uh, patients and then what happens is is that one of the patients this is in the trailer so it's not a spoiler she witnesses a horrible suicide so one of her patients kills herself in front of her But with uh, indicating that supposedly there is this creature or this entity or whatever that has been haunting her and says it's going to take her heart, soul, whatever. And then it kills her with that creepy smile, if you see the photo above us. And what happens is, is that traumatic events start to happen to the doctor. And you don't really know if it's just her having mental instability or if it's actually truly an entity because what happens through the movie is that it's a very slow methodical pacing and what you watch is this unraveling through a psychological kind of thread that you really don't know if it's truly an entity or if it's truly her because of stuff that's happened in her in her past so nobody wants to believe her and you're watching all this craziness and all this uh uh, stuff happening that the the threatening state of the experience drives this multi-layer approach where you have Characterization that is deeply woven into the use of subtle camera movement score and art directness This is one of the most best directed films I've seen to date because the way they use art direction in this movie to create tension combined with all the elements that um, You jump when you don't expect it and they they go against the grain of using common uh jump scares and the 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 scares happen when you don't expect it because you don't see it coming
1: oh isn't that the best kind of jump jumps yes because
0: it's actual it's actually you you don't have it so i'll give an example you have a movie you have somebody standing here and then you have this open area to the left of their shoulder and then you see think you see something pass and then they turn their head and turn back and turn their head that's a jump scare or you look at a door and it's creaking. And then when they go to reach it and something jump jump scare. They don't do this here. Everything's driven through the psychological. Through uh, confusing you with, is she telling the truth? Is it an entity? Is it her own mental instability? And that leads into one of the best third acts of a horror movie that I've seen in quite a while. Minus the black phone because it's still my favorite movie. Um, but <laughs> it creates a dynamic when, things ha- when everything hits the fan. You don't know what to believe. You don't know if it's truly an entity or is it truly she's just dang lost her mind. So it it's an ambiguous ending that actually makes sense because you don't know, and that's what scares you, is you don't know, and you don't know what will happen next for whoever that entity attaches to. So hmm. overall, one of the another great entry into the horror franchise. Another horror and making a staple that 2022 is the year of horror. Four out of five full price. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah. So this has been the year of horror. That's all I can say. Every horror movie I've seen to this date has been great. And my favorite movie of the year so far is still a horror movie, which is Black Phone. But yeah, that's all I have in the movie deck. I have been watching a lot of different TV shows. Um, we can catch up on all those later. Um, I would recommend, if you do like horror, check out Werewolf by Night. So, yep, we'll yep. talk about that one next week. Yep, so, just to give you a hint, check out next week. Ha ha ha. Gotcha, people. I haven't watched it yet, so yep. we're going to wait till next we'll week. We'll save so it for next Werewolf week, and that night. one will be a po- uh, pod exclusive, because I'm not writing read for that, so it's going to be pod exclusive. Alrighty. Hmm. Wow, okay, so we got through that. Yep. Um... So you said you've been playing some Earthbound? Yeah,
1: I uh, the I have I, I have the basic subscription for the uh, Switch Online. Yep. Which gives me access to Nintendo and Super Nintendo games. And on the Super and, and one day I happened to look and I because I've been really wanting to watch Earthbound again. Now, if if you're familiar with it or not, Earthbound was a game. It's a it's it's a, it's an RPG, uh, turn-based R- RPG came out in the 90s because uh, I remember playing it on Super Nintendo. Um, but it's one of those, you got the book, you got the the, the strategy guide with the book because the game was so layered.
0: Yeah, that's what I, I've heard. Do, right? Yeah, I've heard that before.
1: And well, here's the thing, though. If you were to try to buy a copy of it, you're paying almost $200 on average for this game because a it has such money limited it, it's so rare to find so it's crazy okay um but it's kind of a modern era modern era ish rpg it, it definitely has vibes of like the early final fantasy and dragon warrior and and all those games so it's great well i've been pl- i started playing it and i've been sitting there and it's like the most i've used my switch since i bought it a year over a year ago has been to play this now a friend of mine gave me some games like i have the metro franchise for the switch i did try playing that a few months ago but the problem i found with that is the lighting on the switch is not doesn't do that game very well it's it's even if you have your brightness all the way up it still feels like the game is really the screen is really dim Okay. So it's hard to see certain elements. Now, granted, yeah, post-apocalyptic shooter like that, you're going to want shadows and things like that. Okay. But I loaded the same game up on my PlayStation, and I can see far more detail in the game on the up there than I could on the Switch screen.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's the device.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it just goes to show you. Some game you, when you when you when you're one of those people who have multiple consoles and multiple op- options for playing games. This guy right here. You really you really have to you really have to start being picky about which console I play what game or what style of game, and what are my trade-offs if I play it on this versus that. Oh yeah. So, but yeah, I'm a I'm hours into it. I don't even track. But the, one of the, my favorite features of Earthbound is you can when you get into fights there's an option called auto fight which basically a lot once you click on that you can set the console down and walk away it's going to continue going through the turns and continuing the battle until either the creatures are dead or you're dead
0: well that's good it actually you know uh gets you to get through the battles faster so that's well, especially when
1: you get to the point it's like because some fights you want to use strategy but then when you level up to the point that you get to the creatures where it's like look i could just just, you know, muscle my way through them, setting that auto and walking away and, and setting it aside. I use it as I'll do that, set it aside, take a drink, check a message, something like that, and then come back to it. It's great. Yeah. Absolutely love it. it. Always makes things
0: a little bit better when you have that auto on.
1: Well, I was telling my wife yesterday, it's like I played so much. I had to put the switch on the charger because the battery was done. Like, I've never had to do that on my switch. I've never played that long.
0: Yeah, it, it, it happens um it happens i haven't really been playing a lot of games well that's a lie i have been playing i just have a variety i just rotate through i did go back to playing lord of rings online which i'm having a lot of fun and it's been a long time but you know action rpg uh what i'm looking at which i showed you the video which i didn't realize it came out it's uh called stranger of paradise final fantasy origin and i might get it at some point there's another game that's kind of come out but i'm hold off onto it till i see more uh, gameplay mechanics, okay. as as that article you said mentioned, gameplay mechanics. But yeah, you know, uh, it's, uh, yeah. It's
1: to Gotham Knights is on its way out. Yep. Uh, I heard something on my morning feed this morning from IGN, and they had it. It's it, the game is to the point. It's ready. It, it, they considered it it's gold It's gone gold. Now, what does that mean? Well, back in the day when they used to do physical media as the primary means of distribution. That status meant the game was ready for mass production for that media obviously in today's climate of 90 of a large percentage of it being digital media versus physical media yeah. doesn't carry the quite the same context
0: because it's kind of there we all
1: know <laughs> there's going to be day one patches that are almost as big as the game we all know this have you it's, not played call of duty in the last five years
0: yeah or anything insert game in the last five I years
1: mean, <laughs> oh yeah was it uh, assassin's creed cyberpunk how many of them had like you day one it's like oh here's a 20
0: the only game deal. the only game Game in the last last few years that didn't have that was Elden Ring. Elden Ring did not have a day one patch. Oh. Yeah. Cool. It it literally had a complete game when you bought it, which doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. And what they did after the launch, they just added more stuff, more quests to do. So that's all they did.
1: Yeah, I'm giving up on my camera. So I'm I I ordered a replacement. I'll have a new camera for next week. (laughs) I went ahead and got that Elgato face cam, so I'll, we'll 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 be playing with that next week. But yeah, this uh this this one's dead. Cause yeah.
0: Anyways, moving on. It's so, all good. But moving on. But uh, the
1: other game I went back to, because again I've been doing I've been binging a lot of audiobooks, so I needed something to kind of occupy my hands. Didn't feel like painting miniatures because I felt sick. But I pulled up and started playing Minecraft again.
0: Really? So how's that going?
1: Surprisingly, well, they've added since the last time I played, they added some new difficulty modes. So now I have the option for easy mode, normal mode and hard and then peace and then peaceful. Obviously, I spent a lot of time usually playing in peaceful because I don't want to deal with the mobs. <laughs> but I, this time I saw an easy mode where it's like the mobs are still there, but they hit at half strength and you can't go down below five hearts. Okay. OK, uh, from hunger. Okay, well, let's give that a shot. Uh, you know, I'm 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 ha- quite happy because it's the amount of things they've added to Minecraft that are in the mobs since last time I played was just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. The only gripe I have with Minecraft is, and this is this this is my gripe, is I cannot is unlike my other games through Game Pass and on uh in in, in Xbox if I play it on the console, I could pick up my game save on the PC and vice versa. If it's one of those games. Yep. Minecraft is not one of those games. Yeah. You can't do that. So it's like, that's very irritating to me because I would like to start, say if I start the world on the PC, I'd like to, and I want to change my location. I'd like to continue the game on my, on my console. Can't do that. Different worlds on different devices. Too much work.
0: Yep. Too much work. Yep. So. It happens. So, but yeah, Minecraft is a fun game. I did want to mention the game. I was trying to think of the name of it. So I was searching over here, but it's on Game Pass. So that's why I started playing it. And it's called Immortal Phoenix Rising.
1: Okay. So it's
0: like that Greek open world game that has like Breath of the Wild kind of physics and fighting. Oh. And it's actually pretty fun. It's cell shaded and it deals with Greek mythology. And you're playing it with this character, and you're basically fighting through, and there's puzzles, and then you can climb everywhere and beat everything. So it's, it's kind of a fun, fast pace. Definitely check it out. Scoob It's on Game Pass for free. It's called Immortal Phoenix Rising.
1: Speaking of what's on Game Pass and that kind of genre of, 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 of theology, Yeah. Uh, Valheim is now on Game Pass. I
0: thought about you when I saw that, and I was thinking maybe we should... Um, do a uh, do a Throw thing in.
1: i i'm actually curious because i want to see if it can connect to my server i have run my my server yeah, i have run. if you if i'm understanding right that is supposed to be cross server yep so should be good
0: yep so if you want to try it one uh one night and we're both free you know get on the xbox and see if i can not die <laughs> yeah, not die yeah yeah not die
1: well I, I like it it's an open world and progress and it's a, it's kind of an open survival game yep. but you actually have checkpoints that progress the story okay so unlike so it's like you you have to complete certain tasks to move things along but in between those tasks you're surviving by crafting and doing stuff so it's it's that survive that sandbox kind of survival game okay it's very interesting. I thought it was a lot of fun. I played it for a little while, but I mainly set up a server for my friends to play on. So, yep. so I had the extra server space and wanted to learn how to set it up, so I set it up for them to play on.
0: Yeah, so yeah, definitely if we, if we can get it to work, then I'll, I'll try it out, sneak yeah. it in near the, the rotation of other games that I'm playing. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: But uh, So, yeah, let's talk about games. Speaking of games and talking about games, we got a couple of news stories here that are all kind of Linked together, it's
0: like yeah. we have a. We're all a, dealing with games of some kind.
1: Well, so. it's like you have some co- You have a comment here for Street Fighter 6, the full roster. Yep. Tekken 8.
0: Yeah, it was uh, announced. Tekken 8 was announced. Uh, they released the full roster for Street Fighter 6, but the the articles, you know, they speak for themselves. But what I focused on the discussion with this is that the longevity of fighting franchises okay. is that. When you see street fighter is street fighter 6 minus all the other you know stuff in between and in tekken 8 and that just sees the longevity of these games and how their popularity has kept them in the in in prime not Especially to forget these
1: two franchises yeah. because street fighter is like one of those you know yeah. nostalgic things like you couldn't be a kid in the 90s without knowing street fighter 2 yeah.
0: yeah you either you had like i did i had street fighter 2 and mortal kombat and yeah. those yeah. were the games that you had well, and... mortal
1: kombat street fighter street fighter tekken virtual fighter yeah uh killer instinct yeah killer instinct my personal
0: favorite oh yes
1: O- old school Killer Instinct. I remember quite a few days. Ultra uh, combo. <laughs> well, I remember those days back playing Laser Tag and Ultra Zone. Yeah. Um, he, in ha- here in Hampton Roads, and, and and they had an they had the Killer Instinct, the. Uh, um,
0: yeah, I know what you're talking about.
1: Arcade game. And yeah. You'd be sitting there messing with it, and then they released it on Super Nintendo ahead of the N64, and
0: yes.
1: all that craziness. Yeah. But yeah, it was. I mean, some of those fighting games are great.
0: Yeah, and it's just it's just with those announcements, it just realizes is that they you know a lot of stuff it shows the icon icon iconography of these franchises in that like even with them doing uh, a new game, they always you know bring back certain characters because they're just recognizable. So when you look at the full roster for Street Fighter Six, a lot of them are, are recognizable names. Are you know Especially prime for it?
1: Because with Street Fighter, you had Street Fighter, Street Fighter Alpha. Yeah. Um yeah, the, the their roster kept growing yeah, every few yeah. games and they they, gr- they did some redesign on the characters like Ryu and Ken yeah. and, and, and different phases and whatnot but you still have like your core core yeah. group of them now yeah. the biggest thing for me with fighting games is thinking about the story like Yeah Street Fighter Street Fighter it's like that story is really kind of it's like it, it's it doesn't it's not as heavily strong on the story as say Tekken?
0: Yeah.
1: And way more so than than and and in like Mortal Kombat seemed to like have a loose story, but then they wanted to spend time developing the story. Yep. And, and it's like it wasn't a t- it, it and it, that's the thing if when to talk the evolution of these fighting games, all of these games the story was very loose. Very loose like if you were not somehow like rummaging through the developers trash for their for the for the for the lore you really didn't know what was going you you could tell there was lore behind the game but they didn't go into it a whole lot of detail until they get you know three or four editions of the game in then all of a sudden they're dropping lore elements yeah. and lore pieces and then it's like you get to like was it mortal kombat 12 or 11 yeah
0: mortal kombat 11
1: and, and those last three games they really had a story that connected each of the games together but was still also like tying back to like early early Mortal Kombat so it's like those things it's like it's weird because of the way the story it's like the story was there but it was more focused on the fighting and now it's the fighting because we all know who these characters are and what they do regardless of what game you can they still have these, these signature moves, but now are like trying to push the story along.
0: Yeah. So it's like it, they improve not only on the story aspect, but you know, they layer in, um, different fighting mechanics into. So with the, each iteration, they add in more different moves and different variety. Cause you know, with technology, it improves the arena that they fight in. So you can use a lot of dynamic, especially with like street fighter. They add in like new special moves on top of the popular moves that you have. And then with Tekken, It's much more combat focused, so they introduce new variety in different ways that you can fight, and also keep building that roster in Tekken. I
1: love uh, my favorite thing about Tekken is the fact that the, a lot like which that evolved from Virtual Fighter, if I remember correctly. Um, The nice thing with Tekken is the fact it was the first one that really had that spinning combat area. Yeah. Like uh, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Early Mortal Kombat games, they added it later. Yeah, but it was the it was basically left, right, left to right or right to left was your fighting area. It didn't change too much. Mortal Kombat ad, added an element where if you did something just right, you could change the area for a for a finisher. But Tekken was the one where it was like, okay, I'm going to roll left, and then you watch the actual combat square rotate. Yeah. As you worked around so it was one of the first ones that I that I can that I remember seeing that actually had that yeah. three-dimensional space for fighting in a lot like how Virtual Fighter did.
0: Yeah, Virtual Fighter had it Tekken started it uh Dead or Alive was another series oh, that yeah, incorporated that was it. One. Yep. Soul so, Calibur. Soul Calibur was Smash another Smash Brothers, I mean. Um another one which is I call it, uh, under the radar kind of fighter which I liked a lot it was called Guilty Gear. I don't know. It's a more of an anime cell-shaded fighting game, but it was very fast-paced and frenetic, uh, so it was oh, in the,
1: Hey, we're talking we're talking now. We got to talk about Capcom. Yeah <laughs> Capcom verse whatever.
0: Yeah Capcom, Capcom versus Do- Yeah, whatever. Yeah Marvel I mean, versus Capcom insert number so <laughs> yeah So but yeah, it's just uh, just a good discussion when the release of these games coming up it just shows the strength of you know familiarity But the longevity comes in how they, you know, evolve both the story, the characters, the fighting dynamics, and also incorporate new technologies. Because one of the big things with the new Tekken game is that they're using Unreal Engine 5. So the realism is going to be even kicked up a notch in that game so
1: the next thing we got here is the toy hall of fame yes of
0: 2022 uh yeah 2020 uh yeah 2022 so we've we've uh come about this toy hall of fame starting from the last couple of years and every year they have you know nominations so this year they have some finalists coming up and they actually have a link that where you can vote on them um it's put
1: in the description yep
0: yeah, so the games that are up for finalists this year is uh bingo Briar's Horses, Katan, and uh, just to add a little tidbit, which I found out this week, is that Katan is actually getting a video game.
1: Yes, so, it's coming to console. Yeah,
0: so Light Bright, uh, Masters of the Universe action figures, Nerf Toys, Pinata, uh, Phase 10, uh, Pound Puppies, Racco, Spirograph, Top. Yeah, that's it. Those are the finalists. Light
1: Bright, Light Bright. Oh yeah. my gosh. Who
0: can't forget about Light Bright? So. Pound Puppies, whoa. Yeah, that, that brings you back, right?
1: It does, that does.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Nerf Toys was big when I was a kid. Um, uh, but who do you think? If you look at these, who do you think, just say three that are going to be definites, just um, three.
1: Masters of the Universe, Pound Puppies, and Light Bright. Done. Don't okay. Mean, we're good. <laughs>
0: okay. I say I say Masters of the Universe. I say Light Bright. And I'm going to pick a Dark Horse here, uh, Nerf Toys. Okay. Nerf Toys is universal, and it crosses generations.
1: No, no, no. Remember, it's Nerf or nothing.
0: Yes. Boom. (laughs) And we'll put the link in so y'all can vote. I think you can still vote. I don't know. Hopefully. All right. At the time, you could. So who knows? But if not, and this makes a reason to go visit, because we were talking about this museum before, the Strong National Museum of Play, which is up in Rochester, uh, New York. So.
1: Well, that, and, you know, the, it's looking at these and looking at the nostalgia they bring in. It's like, you know, what's making these kind of memorable? Pound Puppies, because it was a stuffy. It was a cartoon. There was like a little story when you got those. Yeah. Masters of the Universe. I mean, come on. What, what, which, what 80s cartoon did not... If you were a boy in a the 80s, line?
0: you had action figures. Or any generation, you so, had action like figures.
1: The, he, the, the He-Man, Masters of the Universe... Light bright, I remember that constantly being on the TV, where it's like you had the little light thing and you poke the holes in, like Battleship, yep. and create a character. I've never played Settlers of Catan though. Yeah. I uh, keep, I, I've wanted to, but I have, but my friends who are big into games are like, man, it is too slow and yada yada yada, and it's like, all right, yep. well, you clearly don't want to play the game, okay? <laughs> I'm yep. The pine- Behind someone else who wants to play, but if they're getting a video game variant,
0: yeah, it's not hard for me to pick up a controller to play something. So,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, so yeah, it's it'll be cool to see which one gets in, and then it would be cool to see this time next year who are the finalists. Mm. So, look forward to next year. We'll definitely uh, uh bring that up. So. All
1: right. So next we have. Oh, it looks like E3 is coming back. You found you found yes. something from Kotaku telling us that e3 will return in person next year yeah
0: in 2023 it's happening folks it's happening e3 is coming back e3
1: was canceled the last few years and uh this this recent cancellation they were they weren't sure if they were bringing it back because the purpose of e3 has changed over the years and in a major mostly digital market e3 is not as viable for that considering Nintendo pulled out of doing a doing a conf, doing a presentation PlayStation and Microsoft all pulled out most of them all do their presentations on their own schedule virtually so there's yep. a lot of need there yeah and the original purpose of E3 was to give uh retailers like GameStop and whatnot an idea to preview the upcoming games and then they put in their orders or what they wanted to sell, the quantities they wanted to try to sell for during the holiday season. Yep. Earthbound, I'm looking at you. There's a reason why you're $200, $200 a thing in a used game market now.
0: Yep. So Yep. So it is coming back, and it's coming back next year at the Los Angeles Convention Center. It's going to take place between June 13th and 16th. They'll have also digital events that will start June 11th to the end of the convention also an in article indicates that um once the doors uh uh the there'll be an industrial days only days but it'll open up to fans uh, looking to try games and stuff uh the industrial attendees will meet june 13 to 15 while june 15 to 16 will be gamer days for fans so yep so it's looking looking good and if you like conventions and definitely want to check it out check out e3 next year Alrighty, so that's there's
1: an interesting one and (laughs) another bit of gaming news. I gotta find that sand trawl bone. Where is it? There it is. There it is. Do it. You got it. We gotta talk about that because it has been announced that Google will be ending the Stadia.
0: Yes. So it's been announced also through Gotaku as the article states. Quotes is shutting down its video game streaming service, Stadia, on June uh, January 18th, excuse me, 2023.
1: So which, you know it's kind of nice because the su- they're they're letting the su- they're not ch- charging for the subscriptions. Nope. They're gonna let you play until they shut off the servers. Uh, which is very nice, uh, but this has been this is what five years yeah. maybe
0: yeah for Stadia yeah it it was a good idea and concept but the way they executed I had it to was be less
1: than that because we were talking about Stadia here on the podcast so yep. St- the podcast is roughly the same age as the Stadia yeah
0: so yep but so... we're gonna
1: last longer
0: <laughs> yes we will we'll always have something to talk about but unlike uh, Stadia Stadia is a It was an interesting concept and was something to dabble with because it is a a different way to game, you know, using cloud base Mm -hmm. and in your controller. But the thing is, their execution was done poorly. Not only did you pay for a subscription and stuff, but you're also paying for games. No, yeah, we all pay for games, but these were like three, four year old games that people have already played. They didn't really have anything new to garner people to come to their selves they're still going to use the technology with other platforms they have like youtube and other parts of their business but the consumer facing app, which is stadia it's getting pulled down and they're refunding all the purchases that people had on there so that's a good thing yeah
1: that's 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 pretty decent marketing yep
0: and refunds are expected to be completed by mid-january and note that while stadium is dying quote the tech behind it will still be available to industry partners For other joint ventures. So the technology is there. So, you know, I'll give them props to at least trying it, but execution wasn't there. Hopefully another group or working with other people can actually develop that cloud-based thing, which you have it with Game Pass right now. So, which I use it a lot. So, yep, it's there. The potential is there. It's all about the execution, people. All about the execution. All righty. Yep. My th- my my
1: voice is almost shot. We we're, we're, and right there are we we feeling good about how we are. We want to hit these uh Yeah.
0: These are quick hits so I can definitely run heads. through. Uh, if your throat's drying down, I can uh let me water up real quick.
1: Yeah, well, drink up,
0: drink up. I've been talking all day cuz I've been training all day, so
1: all right i am used to it our our first got some interesting odds and ends and odds and ends are things that rye finds on the interwebs that we uh give our opinion uh for me nine times out of ten it's going to be my gut reaction to the headline which is, which is perfect and there so uh we have our first one
0: yeah first one
1: First trip to the beach. Yeah, this, At what age? Twelve.
0: Uh, yeah, what age was it? So this is out of our local affiliate, Wavy News, and a North Carolina woman is celebrating her 108th birthday. Not only is she celebrating it, she crossed one more thing off her bucket list. A trip to the beach. Yeah, she's never been to the beach until she visited back in early mid-September with her family, and she got to visit it on her special day. Oh, so I've never been to a beach 107 years old and never been to a beach. But, you know, you got to I can't be biased. Yes, I live here. So I'm used to having the beach. There's some people that don't. So but it is awesome when you are able to cross something off your bucket list. So.
1: All righty. Next up, we have uh, the world record for milkshakes. Yep. From Arizona.
0: Yeah. So as reported in food and there is an Arizona drive in that not only makes one, but Two how many milkshakes
1: 266 different varieties of milkshake to break a world record Yep. i mean if you're gonna do it go big or go home yep.
0: so it's uh this happened uh, it, it, this is a place that's located on route 66 in seligam arizona and since 1953, officially set the Guinness World Records for largest display of milkshake varieties by whipping up that 266 different flavors over the course of about 75 minutes. Wow. wow.
1: In a little over an hour,
0: you get yep. 266
1: <laughs> yeah. flavors of milkshake. Yeah,
0: And it took about 20, quote, took about 20 or 30 employees working together to make it happen.
1: Oh, wow. Hey, there's a claim to fame.
0: Yes. So, yep, that is a lot of milkshakes. Uh, the It bested the previous record. So the previous record was 207. So it bested about uh, 65, f- 50, 50, something more. 50, 50, about 50 plus more. Yeah. So, yep. Great All job right. to y'all, Arizona.
1: Next up, we have a story out of, for an Icelander tradition of throwing puffins off cliffs.
0: Yes. Yeah, so this one was kind of interesting and I thought, hey, we got to talk about this. So this is reported by NPR. So, uh, what they do in Iceland is that every year, they, during the puffin season, uh, what they take is uh, chicks of the Atlantic puffins, or um, They they hatch in burrows off the high sea cliffs in Iceland, and what happens is, is that a group of people throw them off the ledge, and they go flying into the water. So, that is a tradition.
1: Alright, I... Got no comment on that one i mean it's it's obviously yep. it's a cultural thing there which is cool yeah. it's and, cultural
0: and just to add into that this human tradition quote has become vital to the survival of the puffins
1: see that's where things start to get a little weird it's like these animals had their routines and now you're coming in and you're cha- you've changed you've changed their their routine so yeah be better and different animals will recover yep. and our last and uh, then for story for
0: today also is, from NPR
1: is talking about McDonald's is implementing adult happy
0: meals. So you talk about nostalgia and you talk about, Hey, I'm a kid. I go to McDonald's. What do you want? As a kid, you want a happy meal. Well, you're not a kid anymore. You're in your thirties, forties or fifties and you're like, you still want a happy meal. Well, McDonald's decided this month to introduce a limited time. Only the happy meals aren't just for kids. They can also be for adults. So, um, uh, quote: McDonald's teamed up with the fashion streetwear brand Cactus Plant Flea Market to release an adult meal box complete with a classic character toy. Wow. So, uh, so uh, starting on uh, starting Monday, which was last week, through October thirtieth, quote: McDonald's will offer the Cactus Plant Flea Market meal box. Uh, with the nostalgia. So the box comes with a meal and a classic McDonald's character. So that is either Grimace, Amber, Amber- Birdie, and Newcomber, Cactus, Cactus Buddy. Buddy. So you can get your Big Mac and your fries, and you can also get a toy, people.
1: Oh, boy.
0: Yeah. So, But it's only a limited time, so it's only for this month. So what a way to celebrate Halloween with an adult Happy Meal.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll go with that one. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. call that
0: what is in this meal box so uh, i'm looking it up so it is looks like uh it involves a big mac and fries (laughs) but the special thing is you get a toy so that's all that matters
1: hell you can just go into your mcdonald's right now and go hey i'd like to get a number five but uh put it in a happy meal box for me
0: but you know it's another cool way to market i guess Yeah,
1: I mean, it's that pulp culture thing for the generation coming up where they're used to, you know, getting a Happy Meal to do X, Y, this, that, and the other. It's like, okay, hey, it works. I mean, you got to admit, McDonald's and their Happy Meals have pushed a lot of product.
0: Yes, I remember every Friday my mom taking me and my brother to McDonald's and we would get our Happy Meals and get our toys. So, I love that. All
1: righty. Well, I think that wraps us up for this week. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Let's do a shout out and a thank you to Sirenscape. Uh, Make sure you go to Sirenscape.com. Check out their wide selection of offerings for our tabletop uh, soundboards and experience. And thank you to them for the soundboards that we're using in this show. Hmm, Excuse me. It's like you feel a hiccup coming, but then it doesn't come, and then you think it comes. and it do- Anyways, also, hey, if you're enjoying this stuff and you want to support the show, please leave us a review. Leave us a like. Like. Thumbs up, people. And If you're checking us out on the YouTube, again, I apologize. My camera apparently is dying. I will replace it uh, this weekend. Whoa. Damn, yeah. But- uh, in the meantime, definitely go through and click on that like, <laughs> subscribe, hit the bell if you're new. Yeah. Feel free to leave a comment down below. Tell us who your favorite nostalgic toy or what do you think a adult Happy Meal should entail? Um, thank you again to Rye, as always, for coming to hang out for another night. We had wings and then talking about our uh, talking about our stuff. Uh, thank you Namaste. all of you for watching and listening. Like I said, please like review, share it with your friends, spread the word spread the good word about Scuba and the Rye.
0: Spread it, people.
1: And spread it. If you want to do more, we do have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Scuba Studio and uh consider being a patron. Uh get some info and updates and check out some past uh past past things that have been going on. Now. It's been really quiet right now with work and travel and all this stuff. But uh check it out righty, and uh, with that, we're going to call it a night. You have a good one. Stay safe, and we will see you next
0: week. Peace. Bye. Bye.